Hey, I am Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 41, and today I want to talk a little bit more about our typical unschooling day. And I especially want to talk about chores. After I recorded episode 40, which was also about our typical unschooling day, I listened to it later, and I thought that I made things sound too simple, too easy. Maybe our life sounds very boring and ordinary. Where's the amazing unschooling life I always insist our family lives? Did I leave something out? Yeah, I think that looking back, I made our life seem ordinary. So I'd like to chat a bit more about that today, about our unschooling week. So recapping, what did I say last week? I described how we all get up early each morning, how if it's one of the warmer months of the year, we might go for a run together. Usually that's uh, me and the girls. When we get back, we shower, breakfast, do the chores, say our prayers together before getting on with the more exciting work of the day. We meet up together for morning coffee. We eat meals together. We spend time together in the evening if there are no after-dinner commitments. And we all go to bed at reasonable times so that we can get up again early the next morning and do it all over again. Now that sounds really ordinary, doesn't it? It could be anyone's life. Don't we want to be like some unschoolers and lie in bed late in the mornings, read books without getting out of bed, just because we can? Don't we want to get up and wander around in our PJs, turn on the computer and play computer games first thing in the morning? Why do we look at the clock and decide it's lunchtime? We could just grab something to eat while we're working whenever we feel like it. If we're in the middle of doing something interesting late at night, why stop and go to bed? We could sleep in the next morning, couldn't we? There aren't any rules. We could unschool like that. That sounds much more exciting. I think also it sounds much more typical of an unschooling life. Sometimes I do feel like living that type of life, doing things when and where I feel like it, but I don't. I think that there are advantages to living the type of life that we do, at least advantages for our own family, because of course, each family is very different. But for our own family, this type of lifestyle suits us very well. We have rhythm to our days. Everybody's individual timetables are in tune with each other. So this means that we spend a lot of time together. I think that we would miss out on so much if we lived a more haphazard type of existence. For example, if we all got up at odd times of the day, we'd miss out on running together in the cool of the the morning in summer. That's a really lovely time of day. It can get very hot in summer over here and the days are draining. You don't feel like exercising when the sun's beating down. But first thing in the morning on an Australian summer's day, It is beautiful to get outside before the sun has really warmed up the day, walk down to the bush and hear the kookaburras laughing. We might see a kangaroo if we're early enough. We've seen a few lyrebirds in the trees. 
They're all very special sights and we get to see them because we're up early. Sometimes we're so up so early we see the sun rising over the gum trees. And then to exercise our bodies first thing, to come home with our bodies tired but feeling very satisfied. Yep, we've started the day off well. We find it's worth getting up early to experience all of this. I would do that all on my own, but my girls choose to come with me, and that makes it extra special. The team, we are the team. We get up early and we run together. I think this strengthens the bonds. It's a lovely time of day, and we'd miss out on that if we slept in late every morning. Now, I've told you how I feel about it, and I assume my girls feel exactly the same way, because they freely choose to get up and come with me. Even when I say sometimes, I can go on my own, you sleep in, you must be tired, you went out late last night, say to a choir practice or some other function, I don't expect them to come with me. I get myself ready, I go out to the kitchen to get my water bottle, and there they'll be, lacing up their shoes, ready to come out to run with me, because I guess it's important to them as well. But as I mentioned last week, we don't always run first thing in the morning before our breakfast. We find it's too cold first thing in the morning in winter. It's also very dark, not good running conditions. So we prefer to run in the middle of the day. That's when it's warmest. And sometimes it's very hard to go out in the middle of the winter to run because there's a a cold wind blowing. But at least if we choose the warmest part of the day, then it's not quite so bad. But we still get up early, even though we don't get up to run. We get up to do our morning routine, to do the things I talked about last week, to shower, have breakfast, do our chores, say prayers together before we get on with what we really want to do. Do we like doing the chores? Perhaps it's easy for us because we all really love doing them, but that's not true. I don't like doing chores at all, but we do like getting the chores out of the way. Get all those necessary household jobs done as quickly as possible so that we can do what we really want to do with our days. I think that's how we look at it. Let's all club together. We're all part of the team. Let's work hard for a little while in the morning, get the chores done, get all the necessary things done, and then we can get on with what we really want to do. It's freeing, I think. We don't have those niggling thoughts in the back of our minds that we've still got to get the washing on the line or we've still got to think about what we're going to have for dinner. Uh, We don't have to think about that. We've done it all. Now we're free to do the exciting things. I say it's not easy. When I wake up in the morning, all I really want to do is get on with the things I want to do. My head's always buzzing with things that I could be doing, some blog posts I want to write, a video I want to make, something that I want to do which is much more interesting than the morning routine. I don't even really want to hop in the shower. I want to just get out of bed in my pyjamas and go off to the family room, start up my computer, get going with the work that I really want to do. I wonder if my children feel the same way. Do they want to stay in bed and read all those books that are piled up beside the bed? And maybe if I did wander around in my pyjamas, ignoring the chores, and just doing what I want to do, my children would then choose to do what they want to do as well. But they seem to follow my example. They won't let me do the chores by myself. They want to pitch in and help. And we all know that our day is going to run smoother if we have done those chores first. We like living in a clean and tidy house. 
We like being able to find things. It's very frustrating when you can't find things because there's mess everywhere. We like things in their place. We're not perfectionists. We have a certain level of untidiness, but that's work in progress. But basically, we do like to sweep the floors, clean the bathrooms, have the dishes washed, have um, some plans for what we're going to cook for dinner, have the washing on the line. And then, yeah, the day is ours. The adventures can begin. Of course, we're all different and other unschooling families might not want to have a morning routine like ours. They survive quite nicely without it. They're quite happy to do the chores in a more relaxed way, maybe leave the dishes to be washed up altogether in the evening perhaps. Yeah, get around to things whenever they feel like it. But we don't work well that way. And so we have made the the decision to make the sacrifice every morning of spending an hour and a half or so working together as a team to get these things done. I said that I have to be a good example if I want my children to be part of that team in the morning to help me get the house organized. I have to put myself last. I have to jump out of bed. I have to go out there and dive into the chores. I have to be willing to help so that they're willing to help me. Sometimes when I go out there to the kitchen and see the dishes, I don't want to do them. I think, well, look, somebody else will come along and do that in a minute. And they probably would. And I have to fight the temptation because I'm the mother to go off and do what I prefer to do. Sophie once said in an interview with me that sometimes she gets a feeling that parents feel they're better than children, that the children have to do all the the hard, the dirty sort of work, the uninteresting work of the family. They do all the chores while the parents just make all the decisions. She was saying that she's glad that I help, my husband helps, we all dive in and are part of the team and she's thankful for that because she doesn't mind working when she knows that everybody else is doing work as well. We're all in this together, we all support each other and working together has great benefits. It draws us together even though we might not like the work. It does strengthen family bonds, working hard at some things that may be unpleasant. Yeah, it took me a very long time to work out how to get kids to do chores. I guess I was of the mind that kids have to do the work and the parents do the organizing of the chore list. I thought of that for quite a long time. And I was always doing a lot of shouting about it. You haven't done your chores. You haven't done your jobs on the list. Come on, you're lazy. When are you going to get them done? You're letting the family down. When the chore list didn't work, I would try bribery or a reward, yeah, reward system. Tried lots of different things. And it took me a long time to work out exactly how to get everybody to cooperate. It was very, very simple. I had to be a good example. I had to help others if I want them to help me. And it's a very, very simple idea, but it is a very, very difficult thing to do. Because we all are tempted to be lazy. It isn't easy to keep on being a good example. Sometimes I get fed up of being a good example. I want to be lazy. I just want to sit there and do nothing. And to be a mother sometimes is a very difficult thing. I had a a moment in the week where 
I let myself down, where I just didn't want to be that good example, and I didn't even realize it for a moment. It happened one lunchtime. Imogen had decided she wanted to go shopping after lunch, and she invited Gemma Rose to go with her. Now, Gemma Rose was drying dishes, and Imogen told her, hurry up, hurry up and get those dishes done, because I want to go out, you're holding me up. And I told Imogen that instead of nagging her sister to dry the dishes more quickly, why doesn't she pick up a tea towel and help her? The dishes would get done a lot faster and it'd be a lot more pleasant. And there was some truth in what I said, but what I should have done was get up off the sofa myself and say, look, you want to go out shopping? You go, I'll finish those dishes for you. That would have been the better thing to have done because I ended up nagging in my own turn. Now Imogen, because she's a very nice person, didn't complain. She just went and dried those dishes with Gemma Rose, but I felt bad later. I thought, look, if I'm not willing to step in and do something above and beyond what I'm expected to do, how can I expect my children to be generous as well? Because we want to teach children not to just do what has to be done, but to go beyond that and be, and as I said, generous. I had another occasion, maybe a couple of Saturdays ago. Every Saturday morning, Imogen has a singing lesson, and she has to go out the house just before 9.30 in the morning. The rest of us have a bit of a leisurely morning. You might get up a little bit later than we do in the week get in the shower, potter around doing the morning chores because they've still got to be done, but do them at a more leisurely rate. And Imogen dashed out of her bedroom, thrusting on her shoes, pulling on her coat. And I said to her, well, what chores have you done this morning? And she says, I haven't had time to do any. And I said, well, you didn't get up early enough and get yourself organized. You should have got up a bit earlier to get some chores done to help with the family. And she didn't say anything. She just went out the door. But afterwards I thought, no, that wasn't very nice. What I should have said was, don't worry about the chores. I will do them for you. Kids don't need to be told that they have to get up earlier. And the act of me doing her chores for her would have, I am sure, inspired her to step in and help somebody else in a similar situation another time. It's not about doing things evenly. It's about helping each other out and doing things in a loving manner. Helpfulness begets helpfulness. I wrote that in a blog post once. I really love that word begets. It says so much. Gemma Rose likes those types of words, sort of a little bit old-fashioned sounding, like forthwith. She's always looking for places to use them. Yeah, and I've been able to use that one today. week I wrote a blog post that came out of last week's podcast. I was thinking about it and talking about some of the things I've talked about today. How our life does look rather conventional. What makes our life, which seems very conventional, different from any other structured homeschooler's life? Is it any different? How do we tell if somebody is unschooling or not? Just because we don't stay up really late at night just because we don't drift through our days doing exactly what we want at all times, just because we get up very early in the morning. We don't share these things with some unschooling families. Does that mean we're not unschooling? I think it's all to do with choice. It's not what you do. 
not what time you get up or when you eat your meals or when you go to bed or what type of activities you're involved in. It's whether children have the choice to do what they want to do. And they might choose to do things on a family's timetable. They might choose to do chores when everybody else is doing them, work at it as a team. Because I'm not saying that families who live a more random existence don't do chores and are not willing to do them. But yes, we work at them in a methodical, routine-type way. By about 8.30, 9 o'clock each day, all the boring sort of work has been done in our family. We've got out of the way, all gone. Now we get on to the more exciting part of the day. So what do we do? I guess the first thing we do each day is have a bit of a chat about what everybody wants to do in the day, what plans people have, because of course there are some things on our timetable that are planned. Music lessons are one thing that are a regular thing in the week. Someone might want to go to town for some other purpose as well. And then we have all our own projects that we're working on that we might plan to do some work on on a particular day. We always have so many things we want to do. We have to make some decisions about how we're going to spend this day. Now my older girls have their routines. They're doing both doing university work. They know what they have to do. Uh, They have reading to do. They have assignments that must be completed before certain dates. They can organize themselves to do that. But they also have music lessons to go to. They, They both have singing and piano lessons. They have choir practices, concert performances. Besides this, they always want to make time to go running with me and the younger girls. They might want to go to town to go shopping. They want to go out for coffee, meet a friend. Charlotte likes to spend time drawing, playing around with her animation software. Imogen might want to write blog posts. They both might want to work on their novels. There's DVDs to watch. They just might want to spend some time sitting and chatting or reading their books. They lead a real, really full life. I think the main reason that they have chosen to do their university degrees online is so that they have the freedom to organize their lives as they like. Because they've unschooled, they're used to being in charge of their time. There's so many things they want to do, and they can still do all these things if they study online. They don't have to miss out on anything at all. They can fit in other things around their degrees, where if they went to a on-campus university and they would spend so much time traveling on trains and sitting in lectures and hanging around the university campus, that they wouldn't be able to live the kind of lives they really want to live. So that's the older girls. That's their days. The younger girls. As I said last week, I spend the mornings with the younger girls. I try and spend that time with them doing what they want to do because they still like spending time with me. There's certain things that the younger girls have to do every morning. When I say have to do, they choose to do them, such as piano practices. They choose to, to practice the piano because they know if they don't, they won't improve their skills and they want to learn to play like their older sisters. So that's not a problem, but we know that they have to put aside at least half an hour each in the morning to practice, and their time to practice is in the morning because the older girls get the use of the piano in the afternoon. That's just being considerate. There's certain things every morning that the girls insist I do. They want me to read to them. If I don't read regularly to them, books don't get finished, and that can be frustrating. 
So yes, I have some commitments as well. Sophie has also set herself some commitments. She has set herself the goal of finishing some coding courses. She realized that um, she wouldn't make much progress if she didn't work at these courses on a regular basis. So she's been trying to do a little bit each day to work towards the certificates to say that she has actually achieved the goals of the course. And she has finished a few of those courses recently and has moved on to some other ones. So I don't think unschooling necessarily is about drifting through life from one thing to another as it occurs to you. Certain things do need to be worked on on a regular basis. I'd never finish any of my novels if I didn't work on them regularly. The girls, the same, they wouldn't finish theirs either. But there's still plenty of time in our days for having fun, having adventures, living in the moment, taking advantage of whatever comes along. Even though we all have things we're working on, life isn't planned and we don't live life to a schedule. It's an adventure. Our time's our own. We can choose what we want to do. If we want to start the day with reading, we can. If we have music lessons, we're free to drive to town for them. And we can go shopping while we're out or go to the park, visit the lake. We don't have to hurry home because we don't have workbooks that are waiting for us at home. We can, yeah, we can walk around the lake. We can go for a run. We can just sit and chat and have coffee. We can talk. I think these are all really good learning experiences in themselves. So some days we do stay home and other days we go off and have our adventures elsewhere. I wanted to write a few blog posts this week. I had a few ideas, but I didn't have time. I don't know where the time went this week. It might might be because we're one week out from my son Callum's wedding and he's been popping in and out and his fiancée as well, talking about the last-minute wedding plans. So we've been sitting around drinking coffee in the afternoons, working on things like the order of service, and I haven't had as much time to myself to do things. Because most afternoons, I'm lucky because I have older children and I have children who have got their own projects to work on. I do get quite a few hours every day to work on my own things. But not this week. I got one blog post written and that was all. But what I wanted to write about was one particular day. It's only a simple story. But I think it was probably Wednesday morning. We had finished saying our prayers. The house was nice and tidy, organized for the day. And I said, what do you want to do today? And Gemma Rose had a couple of letters that she wanted to post. She's been writing a lot of letters recently, practicing her new skill of cursive writing. I mentioned this maybe three podcasts ago. I spent a lot of time trying to interest her in cursive writing, and she dug her heels in and said she didn't want to learn. So I I gave up the battle, just left it. And then just recently, she asked Sophie if... Sophie would teach her how to write like she does. She'd admired Sophie's handwriting and suddenly had a desire to write like it herself, totally self-motivated. And I discovered them practicing handwriting side by side. It took Gemma Rose exactly four days to get the hang of cursive writing. Now she's writing like she's always written that way, pages and pages and pages of it. She's stopped printing altogether, which just makes me think that when children are ready to learn something, they conquer the skill very, very quickly. And sometimes it can be a waste of time trying to push them when they're not ready because they still get to the same point without as much effort. 
I'm sure that Gemma Rose's friends who've been writing cursively for a long time, she writes as well as they do now, and yeah, she just did it in a, within the week. Anyway, she had two letters she wanted to post. I'm sure she was very proud of her writing and she wanted to show it off to her friends, so she wrote some letters. And we decided that we'd start the day with a walk up to the post office. We got the dog, got her on the leash. I had a couple of things I wanted to post as well. Sophie had a little bit of shopping she wanted to do. So we headed out the door just after 9am. It was really quite cool at that time of the morning. It, this is the first week of spring. We all wore our coats and actually as we were walking along I dived into my pockets for my gloves because it was that cold. But it was lovely and fresh as well, the coldness on our faces. We got up to the village, posted our letters. The girls wanted to go to the chemist to buy some nail polish. They had ideas about decorating mugs with nail polish art. Something I'd never seen before, but Sophie had discovered this on Pinterest and wanted to give it a go. So they went into the chemist and there's a big display in there with loads and loads of colours and they're all reasonably priced. Spent some time choosing half a dozen bottles and then we walked home together. By the time we walked home, the sun was shining more strongly. I took my gloves off and you could feel the warmth on our skin. I looked around at the girls and the dog ahead of me, looked at the bush in the that surrounds our village, the sun shining out of a clear blue sky. I thought how fortunate we are that we're doing what we're doing at this particular moment in time. Other children are in school. They're not out side enjoying the spring day. Other homeschoolers are inside working on their workbooks. We're walking up to the village and back, enjoying ourselves. When we got home, we put the kettle on and made some coffee, some hot chocolate for a Gemma Rose, sat down, we checked, I checked my emails. We spent a bit of time chatting together, just relaxing. I didn't think, look, we haven't got anything done yet today. It's already 10 o'clock. The day's moving on. Things I used to think about in the past. We've got to fill up the day as efficiently as possible. All the experiences we'd had that morning I felt were really val valuable. Take time just to be a family. Take time to enjoy the outdoors. We get on with the real work. I say real work. The things that we have to do in time. So once we'd had our coffee, the girls did get on with their piano practices, which did have to be done. And then they wanted me to read to them, and that was enjoyable. We sat there and read some books together. Before we knew it, it was lunchtime. I guess that was a typical morning. I spent a lot of time saying things like, Shall we watch this? Or would you like me to read you that? Or I found this. Making suggestions. And they pick up on some of these things, and they other ones don't interest them at all. So we could watch DVDs together. We could read non-fiction books together. I could sit side by side while I show them a website. They could go off and use the website by themselves. Lots of different things that go into our days. I could say a lot more about a typical unschooling day as far as what we actually do as far as our learning goes. Maybe I'll do another podcast like that. But I've already spent a lot of time talking about chores and routines, morning routines today, so I think I would leave it at that because I also want to share some resources with you. Now, these are some of the things that I discover and then I 
wave under the nose of my girls or put them in their unplanning Evernote notebook where they can go back and refer to them and maybe use them. Things I might actually show them so that I might demonstrate for them if they're interested and then they might go off and investigate them more on their own. So this week I discovered another real-life maths resource. It's called Pixar in a Box and it's on the website Khan Academy. Now Pixar and Khan Academy have joined forces to provide some lessons for children to show that there is a use for maths. It's for when children say, when will we ever use this maths? And so Pixar wants to show us all the maths that they use while they're creating their animated movies. We watched the introductory video together, Gemma Rose, Sophie and I, yet they said they'd like to see it. And it was about seven minutes long, if I remember rightly. Two people from Pixar take us through the Pixar studios and tell us about What goes on into the making of a movie? Because there are lots of different stages. Not everybody works on the movie from beginning to end. There are different teams working and they pass the movie on from team to team until they get to the end. And then they said that they would be showing us the maths that are involved in making a movie. So we watched the next video, which was only about three minutes long, and it was someone talking about how they designed the leaves in such scenes as Brave. There are thousands and thousands of blades of grass. How do they generate these blades of grass? Well, it's all to do with parabolas, and each blade of grass is based on a parabolic arc. There was a suggested activity where we could make our own parabolic arc with some string or some cotton and a piece of paper, sewing it. And there's a lot more lessons in the series. That's what all we sampled the other day. But it could be interesting for anybody who is interested in maths and would like to see a real-life application. So I'm going to put that link in the program notes. Over lunch, we discussed Pixar in a box with the older girls. And Charlotte was very interested because she does a lot of animation. She works with the programs Blender and Unreal Engine. She likes to try making 3D models in Blender, and then she's been importing them into the Unreal Engine software, which is a program for creating 3D worlds, like for computer games, for videos, for whatever you want a 3D world for. And our discussion of maths, Charlotte joined in with that, She says she's using a lot of maths as she's animating herself. She describes some of the things that she was doing, and she seemed to understand exactly what Pixar was telling us about. Yeah, she said, oh yeah, I know all about that. I've been doing similar things myself. Now these programs seem very complicated to me, but for somebody who has a passion for animation, uh, they're absolutely wonderful. Charlotte has a great time using those. Charlotte also mentioned she's doing a lot of coding while she's animating, which she didn't expect. And this led us on to talk about other coding websites. As I said earlier, Sophie has been using Code Academy, learning how to code through HTML. And another coding site we talked about was Scratch. I think this one, even though adults like to use it, and I've tried it a number of times, is aimed at younger children, maybe up to 16, but certainly very young children can animate using Scratch. You don't have to write the codes yourself. They're like blocks of code. And we have to manipulate those blocks of code 
to get the effect that we want, to animate the characters, to get them to do what we would like, to add the music at points in the animation where we'd like to have it. It's a very, very attractive site and very, very easy for younger children to um, to use. Yeah, maybe give them an interest in going on further and writing the code themselves. So there's some maths and coding resources that we've been talking about this week. The other thing I wanted to share was cooking shows. I know that a lot of people like watching cooking shows. They seem to be flavor of the year. And I actually found a new one on the Open Learn website, which I've also mentioned a few times. And this one's called The Hairy Biker's Vacation. And I went to YouTube and did a bit of a search and found some episodes of this program. These two bikers are traveling on through Europe, various countries through Europe, trying out the local cuisine and talking to the locals, visiting all the places of interest. Yeah, typical on-the-road cooking show. Very, very interesting in some regards. I think we can learn a lot from these types of shows. We had a, a good look at Norway, found out what their national dishes are, looked at the scenery. The only thing was we couldn't really understand more of the commentary. The hairy bikers have oh, very unusual accents. I guess anybody who has an accent different from our own could be classed as having an unusual accent. I'm sure a lot of people think mine is unusual. I hope that you can understand my accent because we had a lot of trouble understanding what the hairy bikers were saying. Even though it was music to the ears, we liked listening to them. We couldn't really understand a word of what they were saying. We needed subtitles. But anyway, we enjoyed looking. So, yes, there's lots of other cooking shows as well. I know Jamie Oliver has some where he travels out and does things on location. I found one the other day for Gemma Rose about Jamie Oliver in Venice. She has a great interest in Venice at the moment because many of the library books that she is reading have their setting as Venice. Again, it must be the setting of the year. So many books set in Venice. Of course, cooking shows also inspire real cooking. Girls might want to go off and try out some new recipes. One thing leads to another. Well, there are just a few things that I wanted to share. I thank everybody that's given me feedback on the resources that I'm sharing. Yeah, I, I enjoy sharing the things that we have discovered and to know that people are also enjoying them. It encourages me to keep on looking and can keep on sharing. So I should have some things in the program notes this week. If you'd like to go over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, please visit my blog. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do that through iTunes, or you could follow it through Podbean, or you could just keep up with my blog where I post, where I embed the podcast every week. So I guess it's time to thank you for listening to this episode. I do appreciate you listening in each week. And until next time, I'd like to say trust, respect, and love unconditionally. Mm-hmm.